Guys, uh, I'm excited about the message this morning. You know, over the past few weeks, we've had a lot of fun. We've been talking about the difference between <clears throat> walking in the flesh and walking in the spirit. And I gave you four ways that men tend to walk in the flesh. And so when we get started this morning, as we get started this morning, let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer. And we're going to jump in and talk about walking in the spirit today. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for who you are, what you've called us to be, who you call us to become in this life, to become more like you, to be recognizable as we walk this life in your spirit, that people can see a light in us, Father, a light that transforms the world because that light is you. So Jesus, teach us this morning and grow us up to be the men of God that you've called us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've talked to you about four points that happens according to the flesh. Those four points are these, moral justification, dehumanization, minimizing and displacing responsibility, or basically blame shifting, right? We shift the blame on somebody. So I'm just going to talk briefly about these because I want you to know walking according to the spirit. If those are ways that men walk according to the flesh, then the opposite of that would be walking in the spirit. So the first one I talked about was moral justification. Moral justification is just saying, I'm going to do it just this once. I just want to experience. I want to know what it feels like. Right. And, and we've given several examples over the past few weeks for what moral justification looks like. I'm just going to do it this once. But look, that's walking according to the flesh because you're listening to the pleasures of the flesh. I'm just going to look at this one time. I'm just going to try and experience this drink one time. I'm just going to smoke this thing one time. I'm just going to take this pill one time. We justify that morally and it becomes an immoral behavior in us, which is in opposition to the spirit. That should make sense to everybody. Now listen, when I say that, if I do this, if I, if I do a moral justification, if I'm trying to, to morally justify what I do just this once, because you, for instance, this came from, I only live what? Once. You always hear that. I only live once. I'm just going to try this thing one time. Well, let me tell you uh, something about moral justification just this once. We have to remember that my today ultimately is connected to my tomorrow. Moral justification, and I wish I would have titled this immoral justification because that really fits now that I'm thinking about it, but immoral justification, really, we forget that life is connected. What I do today ultimately can and will affect my tomorrows. So it's so opposite of that would be walking in the Spirit, and walking in the Spirit would first understand that life is connected. What we do in the temporal ultimately affects our eternal. It's that connected. Does that make sense? Man, I don't like that phrase. I'm never saying that. I keep saying, I'm never saying that phrase again. Sorry, you guys online. Just stay with me, okay? The second thing I talked about was dehumanization. Dehumanization is simply this. It's, it, it would be what leads to, to, uh, something like abortion. In other words, we dehumanize someone to the point that we live reckless or we we lose their identity and what they were created for in order to oftentimes do something. I gave the example of war, like a, um, back in, in uh, the Civil War, how difficult it was for them to kill one another. They had to get really angry. But by the time World War II happened, uh, they didn't realize that uh, all these soldiers for World War II, all these farmers and ranchers and these young boys that they'd call up from a farmer ranch that they would send them over to Europe and they wouldn't be able to pull the trigger. So the military had to figure out some way to, to get these men because what they saw was they didn't see a German running in front of them most of the time. What they saw was a human being. And in order to, to, to learn how to take that human being out, the government realized we've got to start dehumanizing others. 
and, and we can dehumanize them. So by the time you get to Vietnam, I mean, Charlie was created. Charlie was the enemy. You can take the enemy out, right? And that's known as dehumanization. But we see that today right here in America through abortion, through racism, uh, through all kinds of things that, that we try to dehumanize in order to make us look better or in order to justify our actions. So the opposite of dehumanization would be what? Humanize. I love that love, right? So what we have to remember is just go back to Genesis 1, where, that we're created, or Genesis 2, we're created in his image. Everyone is. No matter how ugly you are, when you look in the mirror, right? My sister, I, I hadn't seen her in, in a long time yesterday. I'm not talking about Shelly. I'm talking about Nancy, my older one, my my dad was uh, up here having a heart cast done, and she looked at me, and the first words were, what happened to your face? I'm like, well, what happened to your face? And then let's talk about your hair. But anyway, uh, right, what, what happens is, is that we forget, and, and she was just giving me a hard time just because, you know, uh, the older I get, the more this changes. But, but uh, we're all made in his image. We're all created in his image. So the opposite from dehumanizing someone would be humanizing them, making sure that, that we understand they're created in the very image of God. Minimizing. Now, minimizing is the third sin that I talked about. This is walking according to the flesh. And those of you who have been here the last three or four weeks, now I've hammered this. But to walk in the Spirit, we would no longer minimize. In other words, it only hurts me. That's minimization. That's when we, we walk around and say, hey, I'll do this because it doesn't hurt anybody else around me. I can drink in the dark. I can, I can uh, look at my, my phone and dirty pictures and uh, pornography or any of those things that you do in the dark. Listen, what that is, is that's minimizing because you're saying it only hurts me. Uh, I can't tell you how many men at this stage over the last two years, maybe three years that I've visited with in their 30s that are having to take testosterone. Now, if that's you out there today, you're, you're just a weenie. I'm just kidding, all right? Stay with me. We're going to get to the good stuff here in a minute. But you know what happens is, because that stuff is so available today, and so many people are are looking on their computers or looking on their phones, and they're watching this from a young age, that by the time they're in their mid-30s, their wife is not attractive. And and this is why we see the LGBTQ and, and, and that all that horrendous nonsense of lifestyle take off. It's taken off simply because sin has an appetite that cannot be filled. And so what God intended to be pure and intended to be holy by the time you're 30, you're like, I'm throwing that out. That doesn't even excite me anymore. That was not God's intention, men, for us. And this is what minimization does. It says it only hurts me. No, eventually it'll hurt your spouse. Eventually it'll hurt your children or your children will struggle with it. And you'll go, man, that hurts me. I never wanted them to enter into this struggle in their life. Displacing responsibility or blame shifting is the fourth one that I've talked about. And, and basically, I put that in there. That's just shifting the blame. And we come by this very natural. This is found also in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 2, 3 and 4. Uh, it's just a shift of blame, right? So, so in the cool of the day, God came walking through the garden, calling out to Adam, Adam, where are you? Well, the woman that you gave me. Uh-huh, here we go. We've all said that. 
right? If you're old enough to have dated, you've said that, the woman that you gave me. So it's a blame shift, right? The woman, what is this that you have done? When God confronts her, what does she say? The serpent, he deceived me, therefore I ate. So here's the thing. When we shift the blame, that is walking according to the flesh and not according to the spirit. Now, those four things, I actually, I think in my journal, have nine things written. (laughs) But that's for me because I'm I'm an overachiever when it comes to walking in the flesh, okay? I don't want to be, but I was telling Josh and the staff yesterday, I said, you know, guys, I don't know when I'm going to finish this. Joshua does our scheduling, and I'm sorry, Josh, I apologize to you because, you know, he's a Marine. It's got to be done like... And I'm, I'm as, I was in the army. I'm like, we just cleaned up after the Marines. I don't know what. So, but what we do is, is man, these are, these are four things that I see that are common in our culture today, according to walking in the flesh. And I would say this, they're common among the Christian brothers. Every one of these are easy for us to do. Moral justification, justice wants dehumanization, to dehumanize someone else. Careful because the government's trying to dehumanize uh, in, in every area that it can today, it, it's, it's just amazing. Oh, you're not vaccinated? Then you deserve to be in the hospital. You don't deserve to get the treatments. You don't deserve to. Oh, but wait a second. You got to be vaccinated now twice. Oh, wait, three times now before you're considered fully vaccinated. It just keeps going. There's all kinds. Now, I'm not here to, to pick on that. I'm just saying what we do is we label people as less than. If you are immunized, then, then fine, you're immunized. However, I got the COVID. Not now. You don't have to be afraid, all right? <laughs> but but I'm just saying we dehumanize in so many areas that what happens is when we see uh, our, our, we forget we're all Americans. And, and look, let me say this among the Christian brotherhood. Sometimes we forget we're all Christian brothers. And we're to be encouraging. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul says, encourage one another. His exact words are spur one another on. I like that that we are to spur one another another on to good deeds, to good works, not works of the flesh, but works of the Spirit. Men, this is so important. Galatians 5 talks about some of these deeds of the flesh. We covered that last week. Today, I want us to, to kind of start flipping the story, flipping the script a little bit. I gave you the opposites of each one of these. And if we do the opposite of, of moral justification, dehumanization, minimizing, and blame shifting, if we do the opposite of that, that's a great start in walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. And, and so as, as, as we look at this today, I'm going to flip the script. Now, I'm going to come back to these. <laughs> Joshua, bear with me. It looks like it's going to be about three weeks. I'm going to come back to these, all right? But today, I want to talk to us about what walking according to the Spirit, according to scriptural, spiritual things, what that looks like and how that should unpack in our lives. In Acts chapter 2, starting there with verse 1, as a matter of fact, from verse 1 through verse 14, I don't have time to read all this to you today. Hopefully you're familiar with this. This is the birth of the church. I've been talking about James on Sunday morning. James was, uh, uh, of course, the pastor of this church, would wind up being the bishop of this church, would wind up leading a huge council that would send forth into all Asia Minor, this is the birth of that church. It started out pretty big. 3,000 were added in one day. The James, midway through, uh, they're saying 20 to 30,000. You talk about a mega church. You talk about the mother church. This is how it was started. Acts chapter 2, all right? And, and, and like I say, most of us have read that. Now, when I, I, I want you to see something. When the Spirit came down upon them in Acts chapter 2, what, what it left them one of three ways. And you can go read this. I don't have time to really spend here this morning, okay? But it fell upon them one of three ways. Some were amazed 
is what it says. Some were perplexed and bewildered, and some were mocked. Or some simply mocked what was going on. Remember, are these guys drunk? Who are these guys in the middle of the day coming out of this place and preaching some some foreign gospel to us in our own language on top of that? I mean, the Medes, the Persians, he just goes on to explain how many different ones were were in Jerusalem at the time and, and how they were hearing the message of Jesus Christ in each one's own language, in their own native tongue, because the Holy Spirit fell upon them. And, and the Holy Spirit, I want you to see, brings clarification. He doesn't bring confusion. Otherwise, he'd be a different God. In, 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 in Genesis chapter 1, Right? We find out that the earth was formless and void, and we go on to find out that God is not a God of disorder, but a God of order. What he touches, what he speaks into, he brings order. So, so when we see Acts chapter 2, it's not that this thing is disorderly. It's coming down in order because God's a God of order, and each one is hearing their own language, the gospel in, in their own language, because these men surrendered themselves to the Spirit. Men, for some of us this morning, we've not ever been challenged to walk in the Spirit of God, in the Holy Spirit of God. And what that truly brings, it brings life. It brings fruit. It brings His kingdom upon this earth. This is where we're called to be. Some of us, like I said, will be amazed by it when we get around the Holy Spirit. And I hate to even say it with the Spirit. The proper pronoun, yes, I said pronoun. We still have them today. The proper pronoun is, is, uh, is he. Now, I know, depending on which word, if you go to pneuma or you go to parakletos or you go to some of these, these words, uh, parakletos wouldn't be one, but pneuma would. Uh, in the Greek, what you have is, is uh, the feminine, similar, similar to what we have uh, in Spanish, right? We have la for feminine just to give it a pronoun, attach a pronoun to it, okay, or l right, to attach a pronoun to it. So so that's kind of what we have here, but I just want you to know something. Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as a him because he refers to him as, as a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's, it, it's easy to say it, it as the Holy Spirit. I get that because it's all-encompassing, um, or he's all-encompassing in that, but I want you to know the Holy Spirit, he walks with us, his desire is to, to move us with him, in him, and he in us. All right, so just kind of think with me here as we go through this. Romans 1, 3, and 4. Now we're going to look at the spirit man, and we're going to look at, at the flesh of man. Jesus, listen to me. Now, when it talks about Jesus in the flesh, he didn't have the sin of the flesh. We've got that. He didn't have that. I just want you to know he's fully human and fully divine. So here it is, Romans chapter 1, 3, and 4. Concerning his son, God's son, this is Jesus, who was descended from David according to the flesh. So he had this lineage from the flesh. Make sense? Who do you know that lived according to the flesh a little bit in that lineage? Give me a couple of examples. Oh, yeah, David. <laughs> He's in this one, right? That's an easy one. Who said that? Man, Wade, way to go. It's awesome. All right, yeah, David. Who would be another one? Y'all remember Rahab? But she's, she's in this lineage. Why? Because she was transformed through, through knowing her God, right? And so here, I just want you to see this. I use this scripture because I want you to see that Jesus is fully human. So every temptation that's out there, Jesus would have been and could have been tempted with 
However, no temptation was too great for him. He was led by the Spirit, and that's that, that was the difference. Watch this. And was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. So here we see he was fully human and he's fully divine. Men, uh, you're going to hear me in a couple of weeks. I'm going to go into this a little bit further because basically we're created in that image. We are, and we're, we're made to have the spirit man within us such that, that is so powerful that he can lead us beyond any temptation. Matter of fact, this is why Paul writes 1 Corinthians 10, 13, no temptation is overtaking you, but that which is coming to man. And with that temptation, God will provide a way of escape. It's whether or not we want to find that. And that's going to be according to the spirit. Let's keep going. So here you see Jesus is, he, 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 he can understand. Sometimes we say, you know, Jesus just doesn't understand. No, he was fully human. You got to get this, but he was also fully divine. He understands. And so he understands our struggle. And this is why the Holy Spirit is, is considered the paracletos to another word for it, which is helper, which is one who stands behind and supports and lifts up. This is why we can walk according to the spirit and we can, we can overcome the sin and temptation in our life. Let's keep going. So. Uh, one of the things that we really got to think about, men, and I'm going to wrap this up fairly quickly this morning, but we've got to think about who and what and why we believe what we do. Because I'm telling you, it sounds crazy. <laughs> we talk about walking according to the Spirit and not according to the flesh. Uh, you go take that to a non-believer. They're going to say, what spirit are you talking about? As they get in the Spirit. <laughs> With their doobie. I'm just kidding, but whatever they're doing, right? There's all kinds of spirits you can walk according to. We're talking about walking according to the Holy Spirit here. But think about, about this with me just, just for a moment. God embodied the flesh and came to us on the human level. He was a descendant of David, born of Mary. Now, this is kind of wild because we're talking about the one who strides the stars in the heavens, actually pulled the flesh on and came to this earth and was born of a virgin Mary. Now, there's a reason why she was a virgin, and there's, there's a lot of things I could go into right there, but I just want you to think about this story for just a moment. At 30 years of age, he went into ministry. He was baptized, and his ministry started. At 33, it was over as far as him walking upon this earth in the way that, that he, he did, right? And so he had three years of ministry, and yet those three years continue to change the world today. That is the wildest thing. This is what we believe, men. Watch this. It gets better. He suffered a brutal death at the hands of the Romans, was placed in a grave with a giant stone in front of it. But on the third day, the stone rolled away. Jesus was raised from the dead. And we're saying, yeah, I believe that. Let's get crazier. He walked seven miles on his way to Emmaus with holes still in his feet, holes still in his hands, a hole on his, in his side, and I mean, this cat's a wolverine. I mean, he walks and, and he walks with a couple of men. And as he's going, he asks them, have you not heard? They're actually discussing, discussing the events that have just happened. And he says, wait, uh, uh, what are y'all talking about? And, and it says that he opened the scriptures and then their eyes uh, saw this is him. He has been raised from the dead. Men were saying, we believe that. See, the, the, the first step to walking in the Spirit is what you believe. Let's keep going. <laughs> Forty days later, he's caught up in the clouds. 
he ascends and he sits at the right hand of God and we believe that. Now he enters a new realm of existence. Matter of fact, he tells us, it's better for you that I go for if I do not go, the Holy Spirit himself will not come and empower you, help you to walk out this life. So he says, hey, right now I'm in one place upon this earth, but the Holy Spirit is going to be available to all if you can just simply get your belief right. It sounds a little crazy. I mean, now we're saying he's in us, he's with us, and he comes upon us. So what are you trying to tell us, Curtis? Stay with me. By the resurrection, there has been brought into the age something known as the age of the Spirit, and that's the age we're currently living in. The problem is we choose not to walk in it. It's here because he said it would be here, and it is here. And you have some questions there that, that these questions, as simple as they are, you're going to see they're fairly hard They're fairly hard to answer. See, he brought this age of the Spirit, an age of power. He says before he goes, he he breathes upon the holy uh, upon the disciples, and he says, "Receive the Holy Spirit." And he breathes upon them. The very breath of God is, in many ways, the Holy Spirit, as we see it here. And he says, "If this is what's going to impact the world, bring His kingdom." And now his person, this person of the Holy Spirit is effective and effective for every believer, those who would choose to believe. So let me say this, men. All of us are living in the age of the Spirit. The question is, are we willing to walk in the Spirit? He's here. (laughs) Make no bones about it. So all this... This dehumanization and this moral justification and all these things that we talked about, we look kind of powerless to this, but he's saying, no, I'm going to make you powerful. I'm going to make you so powerful that you walk or that you, that your feet can tread over scorpions and, and go through snakes. And, and if you back that up in two chapters there in Mark, you'll find out what those snakes and scorpions look like because he identifies them. In other words, you're going to be empowered to walk through these temptations and these other things in this life, and they will not bite you. They will not have power. They will not have the ability to overpower you if you'll walk in the Spirit. Men, for me, that brings hope. Now, when Jesus leaves this earth, he says something that's that's a little difficult. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. He didn't say go into all the world and get them saved. I would like to sit down and have that face-to-face conversation. Jesus, were you looking to get them saved? Were you looking to make disciples? And I believe this is what he would say. As a matter of fact, I think the Scripture proves it out pretty well. I believe he would say, disciples, because disciples will bring my kingdom upon this earth. See, we're looking to get the the card in our billfold that says you're saved so that when we die, we can go up there and say, see, I got it. (laughs) And Matthew 25 addresses that a little bit. But but what we really need to hear and what we need to know, men, is we can have the power of the Holy Spirit. We can be directed in the Holy Spirit this very day, this very moment, this very hour for the rest of our lives. It's what he offers us. John 16, 7, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I'll send him to you. And that's what you see where we started today in Acts chapter 2. It's known as Pentecost. It's the sending of the Holy Spirit. We are in the age of the Holy Spirit. Everything that we have and that we will receive from Jesus comes to us through the person, the presence, and the power of the Holy Spirit today. He is in all, he's through all, and he's over all. Right here, right now, ever since the new covenant covenant has been fulfilled, his spirit has been given to us. So, 
First, recognize how difficult it can be for someone to accept the gospel based upon what we believe. You ever get frustrated with somebody because you sit down and say, I just want to share the gospel with you? <laughs> I hope that you see how difficult that could be for someone. Oh, yeah, let me tell you about my Jesus. So what do we do? We pray in the Spirit. We pray for that person. Here's, here's what we do know. Since everyone is created in his image, everyone who doesn't know him has a void to know him. Everything in creation, let me say this, everything in creation, right, has a story and a birth of their story. Every human has that same void. We, we all have that story. I mean, you can take uh, a wind of the acre and become an oak tree. Well, it always was, but it had to grow into it, right? For us, it, men, you, you have to see this because God wants us to grow up in him. Discipleship is step after step after step. And eventually, it's not crazy to me that God entered the world in the way that he did. I wish I could explain the virgin birth today because, of course, that's what I'm working on for Christmas sermons, right? And why Mary had to be a virgin, the purity of that, the blood that was shed from the inside out, not from the outside in, no impurities. And, and so this is what God has given to us. He's given us the ability, men, don't give up. Because those, those four things that I just gave you, oftentimes we just give up and say, I'll never defeat this. I have a besetting sin in my life. And let me just say this, you won't. But Jesus already has. And because of that, you are forgiven. But what he's looking for you is to walk in the age of the Spirit. To tell you I never sinned wouldn't be true. My, my grace to me, my greatest besetting sin is my anger. Just cut me off and try. Just, just let me pull up to a red light. I don't have time in this life for red lights. Right? I mean, it's silly, but that's, that wasn't my sin 20 years ago. But as you grow in the Lord and, and what seems trivial, he wants to weed and continue to weed those things out of us. But in my flesh, I can't do it. It's only according to the Spirit, the power that He gives me to overcome. So the second thing is we need the Spirit to help us, teach us, show us, and reveal to us and others the truth of God. Man, I want to encourage you this morning because as we embark on what it looks like to walk in the Spirit as He is in the Spirit, because that's what the Scripture says, that we'll see that there is hope for all of us and hope for those who even don't believe. 